Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Whatever time you're listening to this, please welcome to the Market Color Podcast. This is a weekly podcast that is dedicated to providing our listeners with a broad overview of the global financial markets, including a special focus on the Kenyan markets. And in order to deliver on this objective, we have structured this podcast to begin with an overview of the global markets, so as to give you a big picture perspective of the global economy. This is then followed by the Kenyan segment where we review the performance of the domestic markets with a view to covering all the major asset classes. And finally, we wrap up the podcast by addressing the topical issue for that week so as to bring you up to speed with the latest financial headlines. Ladies and gentlemen, this here is episode number 84. And as mentioned previously, to commemorate the first anniversary of the Market Color podcast, I'm in the process of writing a book that is focused on fundamental analysis. And this will help our listeners to develop a better understanding of the global financial markets and in particular, how economic data influences asset prices. A quick progress update. The publisher has since afforded a copy of the publishing contract, which I am currently reviewing with the assistance of a learned friend. And that is before I proceed to append my signature. Thereafter, the publisher will undertake a comprehensive edit of the book before printing begins. So keep it locked right here and I will continue to keep you posted on the progress. And now to this week's podcast where we're reviewing the performance of the global markets during the 48th week of 2023. And that is from Monday the 27th of November to Friday the 1st of December. And without further ado, this is your host, Jamuhuri, and together, let's dive right in. We kick it off in the United Arab Emirates, where policymakers and business leaders from across the globe are now gathered in Dubai, attending the world's most important annual climate conference. The COP28 summit, which started on Thursday, is scheduled to run through to the 12th of December and will provide a critical forum to fast-track actions that will help to tackle the current climate crisis. Global temperatures and greenhouse gas emissions continue to break records and no continent has been left untouched by the more frequent and intense weather events. The COP28 summit commenced on a positive note when member countries approved a climate disaster fund to help nations that are struggling to recover from damage caused by the climate crisis. The agreement on the disaster fund is widely seen as a historic breakthrough and a potential turning point in the climate crisis. From there, we now shift gears to the United States, where the Fed's favorite measure for inflation rose by 0.2% on a monthly basis and by 3.5% on an annual basis, and this was in the month of October. According 
to data released on Thursday, inflation as measured by the Personal Consumption Expenditures Price Index increased in line with expectations and gave the Federal Reserve more incentive to hold interest rates higher for longer, as they have previously stated. The Commerce Department reported that the core price index, which excludes food and energy prices, rose by 0.2% for the month and by 3.5% on a year-over-year basis. Markets are of the view that the Federal Reserve was done with raising interest rates and are now pricing in rate cuts of at least 1.25 percentage points in 2024. On Friday, the Federal Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell pushed back on market expectations for aggressive interest rate cuts in 2024, saying it was still too early to declare victory over inflation. Despite a string of positive indicators regarding inflation, the chairman said that the central bank plans to keep policy restrictive until they are convinced that inflation is solidly heading back towards its 2% target level. And staying in the United States, on Wednesday, the Commerce Department reported that the U.S. economy grew at a stronger pace than previously indicated in the third quarter, and this was attributed to better-than-expected business investment as well as stronger government spending. The gross domestic product, which is a measure of all the goods and services produced during that period, this accelerated at an annualized pace of 5.2%, which topped the initial estimate of 4.9%, and was even better than the economist's forecast for a growth rate of 5%. And across the Atlantic Ocean, the annual rate of inflation in the Eurozone cooled off to 2.4% in the month of November, and this was down from 2.9% in October. Headline inflation has now cooled significantly from its peak level of 10.6% that was recorded in October 2022. Meanwhile, the core inflation rate, which is more closely watched by the European Central Bank and which excludes the volatile effects of food and energy prices, also came in lower than expected, dropping to 3.6% from 4.2% in October. European Central Bank officials have repeatedly stressed that it is still too early to declare victory over inflation as they continue to monitor potential pressures from wage increases and the energy markets. In the U.S. stock market, equities rallied as yields fell during the week after traders interpreted the latest inflation data as a signal that the Federal Reserve was done with raising interest rates and may even begin to cut in 2024. On Friday, the S&P 500 soared to a closing high for 2023 and in the process extended November's rally into December. The broad market index rose by 0.59% to end the session at 4,594 
whilst the tech-heavy Nasdaq Composite advanced by 0.55% to 14,305, and the Dow Jones Industrial Average, which has risen by about 9.4% in 2023, added about 295 points to close the day at 36,245. In the U.S. bond market, Treasury yields tumbled in November as traders increasingly believe that the Federal Reserve was done raising interest rates and may even begin cutting in the first half of 2024. And on Friday, Treasury yields continued to fall even after the Fed chairman poured cold water on market expectations for aggressive rate cuts in 2024. The 10-year Treasury yield dropped more than 13 basis points to 4.21%, whilst the rate on the 2-year Treasury note was 16 basis points lower at 4.55%. The Fed's last policy decision for the year will be announced on the 13th of December, but before then, there are several key data points that markets will be looking at, including November's jobs report, as well as a consumer price index. For your information, bond yields and prices are inversely correlated, which means that as yields fall, the price of bonds rise and vice versa. In the commodity markets, on Thursday, the Organization of Petroleum Exporting Countries and its allies, better known as OPEC+, Plus, announced that they had agreed to reduce oil production by around 2.2 million barrels per day, and this will be affected in the first quarter of 2024. OPEC said that the production cut was prompted by a gradual decline in prices that was driven by concerns about weaker economic growth in the coming year. Despite the announcement, oil prices dropped by 2% on Friday as markets remained skeptical about OPEC's ability to implement the latest round of production cuts. The price of Brent crude dropped 2.5% to $78.84 a barrel, whilst the price of the U.S. benchmark West Texas Intermediate Crude fell by 2.57%, to $74 a barrel. Meanwhile, the price of Marban oil, which Kenya imports, rose to $85.51 per barrel, and this was up from $82.92 the previous week. In the precious metals market, the price of gold rallied to an all-time high on Friday after remarks from the Fed chairman increased the confidence that the central bank was done raising interest rates and could even begin cutting as soon as March 2024. Earlier in the session, the price of spot gold hit an all-time high of $2,075 and was up 3.4% for the week, before eventually closing the day at $2,069 per ounce. And on that note, we now change scene to the Kenyan financial markets, and we start by looking at the cost of living in the country, where the overall rate of inflation declined to 6.8% in the month of November. This was down from 6.9% in October. 
the dip in inflation was mainly attributed to easing food prices as food inflation declined to 7.6%, down from 7.8% in October. Meanwhile, fuel inflation increased to 15.5%, up from 14.8% in October, and this was mainly due to higher petroleum prices. In the domestic foreign exchange market, the shilling continued to depreciate versus the major international currencies, but remained relatively stable versus the regional currencies. And according to data obtained from the central bank website, the official exchange rate for the U.S. dollar was quoted at 153.15 compared to 152.69 the previous week. However, in the interbank market, commercial banks were selling the U.S. dollar at between 157 shillings on the lower side to above 161 shillings on the higher side. Meanwhile, the sterling pound was priced at 194.46 and the euro was valued at 168.22. And on the regional front, one Kenyan shilling was changing hands for 24.92 Ugandan shillings and 16.36 Tanzanian shillings. And to the Rwandese franc, it was posted at 8.10. On a year-to-date basis, the Kenyan shilling has depreciated by about 23% versus the U.S. dollar. And given this current trend, I expect that the shilling will continue to depreciate for the foreseeable future. And this is mainly due to the country's excessive national debt, which now stands at about 70% of the gross domestic product and consumes about 65% of total revenue collections. And what that means is that for every one shilling that Kenya Revenue Authority collects, 65 cents will go towards debt repayment. On foreign exchange reserves during the past week, Kenya's usable foreign exchange reserves increased by $18 million to $6.74 billion, which is equivalent to 3.62 months of import cover. This level of reserves is in breach of the central bank's statutory requirement to endeavor to maintain at least four months of import cover. And in spite of the continuous funding received from both the World Bank and the IMF, Kenya's foreign exchange reserves remain under intense pressure, and this is mainly due to the increased cost of servicing our external debt obligations, which has pushed the country to the precipice of a sovereign debt default. In the money market, the liquidity situation in the interbank market registered some slight improvement during the week as the average interbank rate declined to 10.8% and this was partly attributed to the increased inflow of government payments that exceeded and offset the outflow of tax remittances from the market. In the meantime, the excess reserves held by commercial banks in relation to the 4.25% cash reserve requirement, this increased from 22.1 billion shillings the previous week to 23.1 billion shillings. Meanwhile, open market operations remained active as the average interbank rate declined from 11.17% the previous week to 10.80%. And during the week, the average value that was traded in the interbank market 
decreased to 16.5 billion shillings, down from 24 billion shillings the previous week. In the government securities market, the weekly Treasury bill auction was held on Thursday, the 30th of November, and the central bank received bids totaling 24 billion shillings, against an advertised amount of the exact same amount of 24 billion shillings, representing a performance rate of 100%. However, the central bank ended up accepting only 22.8 billion shillings. Interest rates on all the three tenors increased marginally as the bulk of the bids, totaling about 18.2 billion shillings, were concentrated at the short end of the yield curve, where the 91-day rate increased by 8.6 basis points to 15.52%, whilst the 182-day rate rose by 10.6 basis points to 15.55%, and the 364-day rate shot up by 14.3 basis points to settle at 15.72%. For your information, one basis point is equivalent to 0.01%, and therefore 100 basis points is equal to one percentage point. And please note that as interest rates continue to rise, investors remain focused at the short end of the yield curve because they can easily reinvest their funds at a higher rate every 91 days. In the primary bond market, just by way of a reminder, the central bank has announced a top sale for the recently issued infrastructure bond with a duration of 6.5 years and a coupon at 17.93%. The central bank is looking to raise an additional 25 billion shillings and the bond is offered on a fast-count, fast-half basis with a value date of Monday, the 11th of December. Therefore, for those of you who missed out on the initial offering, here's a second chance for you to invest in this tax-exempt bond. In the secondary bond market, the turnover in the domestic secondary market declined by 55% during the past week. And in the international market, during the past week, the yields on Kenya's eurobonds recorded a mixed performance as the yield on the 10-year eurobond that matures in 2024 recorded the largest increase of 1.2 percentage points to 14.1%, up from 12.9% the previous week. At the Nairobi Securities Exchange during the month of November, the equities market was on an upward trajectory, with the NASI gaining the most by 3.8%, whilst the NSC20, the NSC25, and the NSC10 gained by 2.4%, 0.4%, and 0.2%, respectively. The market's performance was driven by gains recorded by large-cap stocks such as Bamburi, which increased by an amazing 53%, while Safaricom and Kenya Commercial Bank rose by 12.9% and 7.7%, respectively. These gains were, however, weighed down by losses recorded by other large-cap stocks such as East African Breweries, Stanbic Bank, and Absa Bank, which declined by 10.7%, 5.8%, and 3.9%, respectively. 
During the month of November, all the 10 listed banks released their financial results for quarter 3 2023, and notably, all these banks recorded an increase in their earnings per share, pointing towards profit growth for the financial sector. Up next is our topical issue, and this week we are looking at how Kenya was cornered into extending the government-to-government fuel import agreement. It has now been revealed how one of the three national oil companies from the Gulf region, which was involved in the government-to-government fuel import deal, manipulated the government of Kenya to extend the deal for another one year as a condition for renegotiating prices. The information was revealed in a COP28 report that was published prior to the start of the climate conference, which is currently being held in the United Arab Emirates. The report shows that the Abu Dhabi National Oil Company gave the condition in response to Kenya's request for flexible premiums to match the global trend of Maban crude oil. The global price of crude oil has declined steadily since September, and in particular the price of Maban oil, which Kenya imports, has fallen from a high of $96 in September to the current price of about $85 per barrel. However, Kenya has missed out on the decline in prices due to the fixed premiums that were incorporated into the government-to-government deal that was signed with the Gulf oil companies. Since April 2023, when the deal came into operation, Kenya has been importing refined fuel oil under this government-to-government deal, which provided the country with a credit period of 180 days, ostensibly to reduce the demand for U.S. dollars in the domestic foreign exchange market and hopefully reduce the pressure on the exchange rate. And in exchange for the credit period, the Gulf oil companies incorporated a fixed premium which was to be added to the prevailing cost of the refined oil product. However, since then, the price of fuel has fallen substantially and Kenya is now requesting the Gulf oil companies to reevaluate this premium so that the country can benefit from the lower prices. In response, the Abu Dhabi National Oil Company has indicated it is open to amending the premium but only on condition that Kenya agrees to extend the term of the contract for another 12 months until December 2024. And on that note, we come to the end of this week's podcast. Thank you for listening to the Market Color Podcast. I hope that you found it to be useful and informative. And if so, please share it with a friend and help to spread the word around. I really do appreciate your assistance in this effort. And for your information, the Market Color Podcast is now available on all the major hosting directories. That is Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, as well as Amazon Music. Please consider subscribing so that you can be notified every time I publish a new episode. And if you have any ideas or feedback on how we can improve these podcasts, please feel free to reach me on the following email address. 
that is jamuhuriG at gmail.com. Jamuhuri spelled J-A-M-U-H-U-R-I. Once again, thank you for your continued support and I look forward to interacting with you again next week. And in the meantime, please do have yourselves a blessed and fantastic week ahead. And remember, change only happens when you do something different. Think about it. Thank you and God bless.